Good morning and welcome to your daily game face. I am Dr. Kim Lannon and my mood is a little blah and low this morning and I apologize because I just got, oh, hi, Lou. Hi. <laughs> I apologize now for my low mood and energy. Um, I just got home from a lovely um, Christmas gift that I will talk about, but I just got home on a delayed flight at 3.30 this morning, and hence our show's delayed because I've had minimal sleep, and I'm running on Duncan's <laughs> as so, my plug. So this is Florida to Logan, so this isn't like a... Oh. No, this is Florida... Okay, I never fly with a jump over. I always fly straight. Okay. But the the prices and the gouging of plane tickets right now. Remember a couple of years ago during the pandemic when I was flying when no one else was and it was like $32 and I was the only one on the plane? Right. Yeah, well, now there's a million people overbooked and you can't get a cheap flight, especially during this week or, you know, unless you book out a year. But you can't get a cheap flight at all. So going down, it was fine. Coming back from Miami... I had a jump over in JFK and it was supposed to be a quick 45 minute changeover, whatever. Well, myself and my friends sat there for five hours uh, at JFK at JFK because oh, all Lord. the planes supposedly due to weather, but they didn't tell us this until the bitter end. And I say bitter because <laughs> there's bitterness. <laughs> yep. um, talk about adversity management and distress tolerance. Um they didn't tell us until literally the bitter end that, oh, it was ground. Everyone was grounded in Boston for weather, but there was no weather. So, and it, it was just, yeah, I actually, normally I'd be like vocal and like saying things. I just want, I didn't have to, because there were so many other people. I can imagine. <laughs> having commentaries that I just sat and watched the, and I have to say that, the unfortunate nature of the, I have a very favorite airline, which I won't name, and they are the ones I was on. I use them all the time. I gain points on them. I travel with them. I buy off of their credit card to make sure I get my points. I, you know, load it up, right? Yeah, right. I'm a, you know, one of those special club members kind of thing, right? right. I. Do you get to go in the lounges? What? Do you get to go in the lounges? I get to do things. Okay, cool. But yesterday, I was so disappointed in the actual this is why I didn't engage. I was watching the staff and here's either they're stressed out. I was trying to put good oh. context without me having my mind lost. I was watching the staff of the gate agents in JFK. I don't think I've ever seen gate agents quite so rude and flagrantly obnoxious about their lack of care that people had been sitting. We were sitting for five hours, but other people have been sitting since earlier in the day like yeah. way earlier in the day like you know 12 o'clock you know and they were waiting for this eight o'clock flight and making mistakes in their announcements telling them that the delay would be at this time and, and then it was another time but then it was really and it was all over the place and they had two flights weird thing they had two flights coming in from boston to land at jfk within a couple minutes of each other to then turn around and come back to boston to land a couple minutes apart the flight that was coming after ours somehow was going to end up coming before ours and it was supposed to go out it was it was just yeah. a cluster but can you imagine i i don't want to defend them but can you imagine what they were dealing with that well, that's day? what i that's yeah. why i didn't care and on them yeah i just but i did see a couple people very nicely actually Plus, they're getting told they get what you get 
is not necessarily the truth. They're well, not getting told the truth. Either. Well, that's why. Well, because yeah. yesterday, that's why I just sat there because I, I was watching other people lose their minds and it wasn't worth it because I was tired. But, um, you know, that thing happened yesterday here at Logan with the with JetBlue and the Cessna that didn't have permission to take off. Yeah. So lots of people were speculating that it had to do with that. But I think I wasn't even here, but I heard that was earlier in the morning or early yeah. in the day that yeah. the, the JetBlue pilot maneuvered around the Cessna or whatever. But that went, that went ground planes in Boston for, I don't think, but maybe, I don't know. So that was a speculation. But at midnight, finally, they told us, oh, the planes are coming, but they've been grounded. But it they never said anything for, five, for four hours before. Yeah. We're all just sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting. And they, they had stacked up. So the, the gate we were at had five flights, one going to two going to Boston on separate planes, one going to Syracuse, one going to West Palm Beach, and one going to Fort Lauderdale. All, all out queued of the up two at gates. the all queued up at the same gate. All queued up oh, at the same man. two gates. They were side by side at JFK. And then they gave us they gave us seven or ten dollar vouchers to go to the food court. Oh, the, the food court was closed. <laughs> <laughs> no, really? Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say that was nice, but again. yeah, um, food court was closed, and then they did bring us. Did they work at the bars? The ten dollar vouchers? The, the, I don't know because <laughs> I didn't go after I. I just laughed. I just couldn't. Yeah. And oh, and then to kick it now, distress tolerance. We get on the plane, and it's an old, you know, Embraer, you know, like one of the older ones, yeah. two seat, two seat. Good lord! Oh, we get on. Yeah. I don't have my jacket now. It's under the plane in my bag because you know you figured quick turnover as soon as i get to boston i'll put it on because it's beautiful and warm and you know sunny where i was and then coming back well they left the door open to the plane i'm at fourth row in the plane doors wide open i did i did change out of my shorts and put pants on and i didn't have a long sleeve shirt 45 minutes because they couldn't get the cargo door to shut on the bottom of the plane and then the tire popped and they had to replace oh, the tire no. Oh my God. I mean, it literally was one thing after another. And when you're coming home, that is so like when we left, we had to sit on the tarmac last week for two hours because of the snowstorm. Yeah. Like the only snowstorm we've gotten the right. whole winter, we ended up sitting you on got the tarmac. Them going down and coming back. Right. So, <laughs> so going down was like, oh, we're going into something good, but coming back, so I'm a little draggy today. And then on top but of that, but it's one thing getting delayed at Miami. It's another thing getting delayed at JFK. Well, right. And and there's literally, I wanted like we got there at a normal a normal hour because our flight was whatever a normal hour to get out initially. But all the like little restaurants, like the little sushi place, they all shut down. It's New York, and it's like in the middle of it's in the early evening, and they all shut down. So I ended up having junk, and I don't eat junk, and then I paid for it because I don't feel good, and I'm dragging today because of that too. You know, so I'm not complaining, but I'm just saying <laughs> I had to delay the show today because then, so see, this is like normal life, right? Yep. So my poor lovely cat, who's 14 years old, 14 and a half, and many people be like, well, he's 14, he's old. Well, no, 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 no. Because I'm used to having all my cats, as you know, live to 21, 22, really? oh, you know, and I know that's a long time for most, but nonetheless. So my lovely cat, Mush, his name is Mush. Um, he's been struggling. So he's had many lives. When he was one, he got hit by a car. He's not an outdoor cat and broke his back and had 17 staples in his back and his titanium plate in it. And I always say I own a wing at the hospital. And then a few <laughs> a few years later, like go 10, 10 forward, he has 
he has a fluke weird little incident on his ear that we take him in for because it looks like he broke his cartilage because my other cat bean whacked him on the head and broke yeah. his cartilage and he's got this cute little tip that tip tipped us off to the fact that he actually had cancer and we got it cleared, had clear margins. That was a couple of years ago now. And he wasn't supposed to live, right? We yeah. did the whole thing, live. Then he got a weird liver infection after that surgery. We had a weird thing there. Like he's had some nine lives kind of things going on. Yeah. Yeah. So right before I left for this lovely little vacation, he got sick. And I always know he's sick because he comes to me. Because yeah. he comes to me. Yep. And then he goes and sits in the closet and stares at the closet wall. No. Oh. So we started off the week with, before I left with that, then we were, then we we're in the hospital and then I was leaving and I had to put him in the hospital the day before I left, which, you know, always is lovely. Yeah. So then he was in the hospital for three days, got him all cleared because he has pancreatitis. That's what we find out. Potentially maybe a little IBS. He comes home Saturday. I'm not here. He's got good care the whole nine yards and he starts crashing. Of uh, course. So guess where he is? In the hospital. Since yesterday evening, he's back in the hospital. So I got woken up this morning at 6.30 after two and a half hours of sleep to be told that he needs a lot of extra care. And then at nine o'clock when I was getting ready to come here, another conversation about what we're doing today to fix said problem. So in other words, I'm going to now need donations for the wing that I'm buying at the hospital. Unbelievable. It's yeah. going to create a new Mercedes and a trip to, you know, a month long vacation for the doctor. <laughs> There's my morning. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back. Never <laughs> rains. It just pours, right? So when people say I've had a bad day, I wouldn't say I'm having a bad day. I'm just like, mm, this is, you know, Murphy's law. Well, yes, but you can say you've had a bad day. It's a bad I wouldn't day. say it's a bad day because it's it's actually beautiful out and it's a it's a lovely day. But I, it's I, it's a sad day. It's a draining day, and it's an emergency day because I have to be at the hospital too because I have to bring medication. Hmm. So anyway, so I just need to give context of why we're running late this morning. Um, oh, and then I wanted to apologize to people last week that people were texting me on. Wednesday afternoon, Thursday into Friday, um, when I was still in the country, yeah. um, that they couldn't find my podcast anywhere last week. Well, that's because they thought it was going to go live. So they oh. missed that it was a rerun. So last yeah. week it was a rerun of Tammy Thies. But it was a live rerun. Right. It was a live rerun, <laughs> but it wasn't live. Yeah. So it was um, uh, Tammy Thies uh, from Wildcat Sanctuary that I did with her back in December. And we had lots of viewers again which was fantastic. And then people went back and watched it that I did tell, but um, people were just, where, where did you go? What yeah. happened? So, um, and I wasn't here. So anyway. have you missed another show? Maybe one other show. What? You, you haven't missed another show. Maybe one other show. Right? I think I've missed one other show yeah. in all my years. Yep. In all my years. And we've just crossed another year milestone. Oh, really? We had you just said our know. anniversary. You don't even know. <laughs> And there's just another one to put on my distress tolerance keep, list that you have show. no clue about how long we've been together. I got to keep show anniversaries now. I know about how long it's been. I just, I don't know the anniversary date of the first episode. It's February something. But if Cameron's listening. February something. And you're hitting on me. You don't even know the date. Cameron, well, Cameron would know. Cameron's actually listening. Yep. Um, Cameron, so, if you know the first episode, let us know. Uh, Karen, 
do I know what it was? No, if Cam knows. Oh, Cameron probably knows exactly. Yeah, Cameron, <laughs> tell me the answer to this. Um, good morning, Claire from Louisiana. Thank you for joining, and Kristen and Cameron. Um, but Cameron usually knows how many episodes I've had and when we started, so he would know the answer. So Cameron, look that up. You're in school, so that would be a good exercise for you. Um, he says, "Hold, <laughs> hold, see, hold." Um, well, I can get the number of episodes pretty easily. So the other thing I should say is because this is pretty cool. Talk about a really fun, happy thing and good things because it is. What is today? March first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. March first. So the the lovely young man that's on looking for how many episodes we've he may or may not be related to me. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. He's related to me. Yep. So he's he's watching, right? But you're denying. Um, at 15 years old, see mm -hmm. Cameron. Here's your shout out because this is gonna be better than the post that you think I should put up for you. Uh oh. So 15 years old, mm -hmm. the boy works. I should say the young man works harder than most adults I know. He's more responsible than most adults I know. He's one of the kindest, most loving, caring, compassionate, annoying at times because he's now 16. But at 15 yeah. years old, he bought for Christmas, fully paid himself out of his own job that he just got a large raise at. I mean, he's making more, he's making more money than many adults that I know, <laughs> but he works really hard and he's super well-liked and all that. Um, he bought his mother and myself a cruise to the Bahamas for Get Christmas. Out of town. And that's where I was this weekend. Oh my God. <laughs> Cam, unbelievable. <laughs> so Cameron is a little bit of a rock star and love you guys very a cruise. Huh? He bought you guys a cruise. And not only did he buy us a cruise, he bought us um, a suite. <laughs> wow. And we had VIP access. And I also am a member of this cruise line. So we had a little extra, extra. <laughs> Cam is a rock star. So, so for all the adversity that I had this morning, it's like karma kicking me in the butt for having a good thing. <laughs> Couldn't get you a private flight back? <laughs> I oh god I yeah uh, it, things went through my head I could have driven back here faster last night than, yeah than it took me to whatever okay so Cameron has come back and it is February twelfth was our um our anniversary date Lou February so 12th? we're like we're like Valentine's Day anniversary people okay so and that was what year Cameron twenty twenty I believe I don't have right? that comment up here yet. He what? I don't have that comment up here yet. You have it up? I have it up. Okay. I have multiple comments. So I remember that next time. Yeah, you'll never remember. <laughs> you so, remind me. I, I will remind you. Yeah. I'll be like, it's our anniversary. 2020. Thanks, Cameron. So Cameron, I want to make sure you heard your shout out. He, he, he wrote me very funny text last night in the plane. He stayed up and waited for us to get home. Oh my God. And he's at school. I know he's good. Good. You're such a good boy. Um, oh, how is, <laughs> oh, so the question is, how's Cameron going to top this year's Christmas <laughs> gift next year? Yeah, Cameron, start saving up money. You said you wanted a car, but forget it. You need to send us to Australia. <laughs> Actually, I'd rather go to Fiji. Just saying. Fiji. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that was my week. And so I only tell that because two reasons. One, because it's a like these are this is what life is. It's like up and down. And people often tell me in my practice that um <laughs> did you just yeah, you, you guys can top it and buy me a car. Yeah. 
Anyway, so if he, that's a nice thought. I'll get you a Matchbox car. Just get saying. Him, get him a 78 Taurus. There we go. Um, but for two reasons, I was talking about it. One, because I often hear people in my office talk about, they just want to be happy. And I have this thing about happiness. What is happiness? Cause mm -hmm. there's a huge expectation around happiness and this isn't the topic of the show today, but this is where it's in my head. Yeah. But happiness is just like this thing. I always think of like, are you at peace? Are you, are you at, that's at, the phrase I use. I want right. Be, are you I want at peace? peace? Like, yeah. do you have calmness? Do you have, yep. you know, whatever happiness has this expectation of like always having to be at this level of it, like everything's good and all, you know, all right. things are going well. And, and that's, I, I don't know any day that any typical, not normal, any typical person has it's at peace has this just without some adversity, right. some more than others on a certain day. But happiness per se is that up and down, like little bob and weave throughout the day. And some days there's a lot of bob and sometimes there's a lot of weave and sometimes it's a little flat. But I think that people get so caught up in mental health issues around, I'm never happy. Well, it's because you're not being at peace. You're not being able to roll with things or flow with things. Right. And, you know, you're either, you know, as Freud would say, you're either, you know, like, you know, very obsessive, compulsive, anal retentive, like where you like are so structured and you need everything a certain way to be able to function. If anything goes wrong and all your ducks aren't in a row, it offsets you or you go the other way and then that offsets you. So I think that if we take it and go, okay, this is, you know, there's sadness like in my day today, right? I use my mm -hmm. example. There's sadness today because I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm sad. I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic. I had great conversation. Like it, this is like, okay. And then I've got to have, you know, in the back of my mind, I've always got prepared for today's emergency, emergency, or the week could be because of my lovely little child that's yeah. in the hospital. Um, but I just think that people could maybe think of different ways to describe what happiness is and the expectation could change because happiness is... It's a state of mind, but it really is a state of, I think it's not really a state of mind as much as it's a state of being, being present. Well, happiness is more externalizing, I think. Happiness is, I want things to happen to make me happy, as yes. opposed to being at peace. And being at, what keeps people from being happy most of the time is the snow on the roof accumulation of all these things. Right. It's like you're dealing with last night's flight, lack of sleep, and the cat, you're, you're being present. Right. You're not dealing with stuff from last week, you know, no. you know, and that's what I think people tend to collect a lot of stuff over even going back to the childhood over years. Yes. They're just carrying every day. Well, and, and I think that that's so that's a great point, because and that would be that second piece is that it's accumulation of holding on to things mm -hmm. over and over and over of like, OK. And I could I like so right before I left last week, that was what I was going to say about the other thing that last week I missed the show because right, I could go back. So in my job. I often have to, I shouldn't say often, I used to have to go often, but not as much. I end up in court having to do like child custody mm -hmm. testimony, or I have to do depositions, you know, when parents are fighting for custody or they're doing. So I ended up in court again for the same family that's been fighting over this child for years. And so I had to miss, I had to miss my whole life last Wednesday for that. Yeah. Um, and that's, something that happened then, but I had to like immediately move forward. And I know a lot of people hold on to that. I only yeah. use that as the example is that, you know, last Wednesday, there was something that was not in my control. But then if you get into this, well, it happened to me, it ruined my day. Well, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't work that day. I did teach that night, but I couldn't do anything because I had no control, but I stayed moment in the present. And then once it was over, I was like, okay, I'm moving on to the next thing. But 
but a lot of people would let that ruin the next day right. and the day after that. And, and and then anything that came out of it or anything that comes out of anything in the moment, like, oh, it's, you know, someone said something to me or what, you just accumulate, 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 build over time. And what does that do? It's not keeping you at peace. And, and then that gets around the whole, okay, there's toxicity. And then there's like, are you, and you're being toxic. It's not, it's not. Yeah. It's not others doing it to you, but, you know, people say, oh, but all this stuff is around me. It's like, no, you're just you you can either sit in the toxicity or get out of it and do something else. So I think that um, but a lot of people are comfort comfortable in the toxicity. Yeah. A lot of people seek it out. A lot of people enjoy it because they can rail against it. Yeah, exactly. And they can externalize. Well, it, they can externalize it and victim, you know, they 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 become victims. They, they, they're they perpetrators of their own problem, but then they become the victim. Does that make sense? Yeah. These are the people who end up on social media threads. Yeah, yeah. a lot of times. Yeah. I mean, that's a, in terms of social media for sure. Or they're, they're the ones that are out there in the world, like playing, they're playing victim that you know, you yeah, see a lot of a... pathological lying about things or like exaggeration yeah. or that narcissistic grandiosity about like how bad their life is compared to. But if they don't have it immediately in a the family, they'll go out and reach for it. Those are the people who do three day, you know, Twitter beefs or, mm -hmm. you know, and it, it's like, yep, you need this and you haven't got, wh right. why do you need this? This is a, this is totally away from you person. You don't know. You're never going to change their mind. Why are you spending the mental energy on this? That's why all my feeds are puppy dogs and rainbows and, Except for when you jump in. No, <laughs> no, you've see, been doing really good posts, actually. You've actually had some good posts. See, I, this is something I had to work on because I was, I go back, I see my memories now, like on Facebook, yeah. and I was so active. I know. It's like, no, I don't need to do it anymore. I don't no. want to do it anymore. You, But you've had some good posts recently, like good positive things, yeah. like about people, different people, and what a good person or what a good player or whatever. Yeah, I'm trying to change. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to. Right. It, and it changes your whole mindset. Why? Yeah. Because you're being at peace. You're not being in negativity of something that right. didn't even matter, really, in the grand scheme of life. That you have no control over. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm going to stay with a little bit of that, but I want to shift gears because the topic I was going to talk about last week was, you know, we haven't talked about um, like a, a mental health issue specifically in a while, mm -hmm. like an actual one. So I was going to talk about ADD because or ADHD as people usually call it, because that's what it was. The misnomer now is that it's ADHD. So it's ADD, mm -hmm. which is attention deficit disorder. The reason why I bring it up is because so many people do have it. And we have talked a little bit about it here and there in spatterings of shows, but I, I was going to talk about, there's some myths that come along with that, that just have come up over the past um, few months again for me, just because this is the time of year that kids get reevaluated a lot of the times for their three-year IEP, their individual education plan, or their 504 special ed plan. Um, they get retested. They're, um, they're on a, they're on, you know, plans to accommodate some of the issues that come along with having um, that or, or a learning disability. Now I say it that way because people that here's the first myth. People will say ADD is a learning disability. That is not true. It is a neurodevelopmental um, issue, which is not the same thing as a learning disability. But people lump it all together and, and think that it's a learning disability. It can contribute to learning disabilities for sure. Like if someone's really hyperactive and unable to concentrate and impulsive, certainly. But that's not actual learning disability. That's, it's just a neurodevelopmental um, degeneration that's there and present that's not 
helping the person out to be able to to have executive functioning and do things. Is that biological? Um, so ADD runs in families. It's genetically yeah. pushed for sure. Um, and it, it, like bipolar, like schizophrenia, it, it usually has a pretty high genetic link. Now that leads to where is the other where are the other things that go along with the myth? We thought for many many years in psych that um, mostly boys had it, and um, and certainly there's a predominance of boys, and I air quote that, that boys having it. Why? Because boys tend to be hyperactive. Again, air quoting. They tend to be more impulsive. They tend to be high risk takers. They get right. So what we what we realize, what I've realized anecdotally in all my years of practice, and and what what really is coming out and has come out more and more is many girls have it as well, obviously. Um, but we're socialized into like how to perceive boys' behavior versus right. girls' behavior. There's one of the things. And boys also how to boys. socially norm them in. Yeah. What? Boys will be boys. Right. Which is, yeah. which is, oof, that makes me crazy because that's just, <laughs> there's so many things with that psychologically, yeah. but, and, and, and girls aren't allowed to be a certain way. Right. So the, the piece around the boys having it, versus girls is really something to just kind of toss out and just not think about it that way that anybody has a genetic link in their family, you know, can have it. Now we know that, um, you know, if, if there's a stronger gene, obviously in one side of the family or a male versus female, then they're more likely going to pass it and it's going to be heavier. Some, you know, girls tend to, and this is a social, this is a social norm thing. Girls tend to have it contained a little bit differently. I wouldn't say better, but just differently because of the way they're socially normed and boys don't mm -hmm. because the boys will be boys attitude and the stigma of it still being out there. Um, just staying on that topic for a second though, because we talk a lot about medication. Um, medicating a kid who is really young, like four, five, six is is cringeworthy always for me because yeah. the developmental, because again, neurodevelopmental, that's what this, this actual disorder is. Um, the brain is developing. And so where the, where the, this particular disorder sits is in the frontal lobe, right? In the, right in the front of your brain is your forehead, like right behind it. Right. So this is where your cognitions for impulsivity. Yes. Um, body motor control, you know, your prefrontal cortex, all those kinds of things where your executive functioning, your organization, your concentration, it, it's where all the big things happen. So this is the part of the brain that goes through a huge transit trend transformation in the teenage years, right? It, it goes to, well, it goes to a huge transformation just developmentally from zero yeah. to six. And then it kind of there's a it's pruning slow, in the teenage years. In right? teenage years, yeah. well, speeds it up a little bit yeah. more because of the, um, sorry, I'm looking at my phone's, I'm just making sure it's not the vet. Because um, <laughs> we'll pause, you can hear my whole call. <laughs> um, but the um, teenage years, because of puberty and hormones, will push it into higher gear sometimes. And it, and it will present a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. But by and large, it it's just developmentally is, is following a track. So when you start adding in medications, you're changing the track and, and it's not always, I don't believe, and we have research for this and against this, it's not always for the better. So medication is it's never my go-to for premature kids. It's, it's like, yeah. it's last ditch effort and school. And so just so that in case there's parents listening, schools cannot um, tell you to medicate your child. It's actually against the, 
Education Act for children and fairness and parents law and all that but stuff. But can they medicate them without telling you? Like they can do everything else without telling you? Well, they is well that, they can yeah they well and this is the thing that they yeah. imply. I, I get parents to, to me all the time that say, well the school and I'm like the school what? <laughs> and I always inform them that you have rights that that's not you they can't yeah. tell you to do that or you know they say you should call your pediatrician and have them that's an immediate like go get medication because I can't take I can't handle your kid. Um, but there is a normed behavior that is common. Both boys and girls are supposed to be higher energy. Mm -hmm. They're supposed to take risks at times, especially certain birth order kids. They're going to be more impulsive. They're going to be higher risk taking. They're going to be less concentrating. Like, And that means that could mean that they do have it, but that doesn't mean we medicate it. So unfortunately, because it, you know, you get kids, I have a, I have a parent who has a child in, in school right now that I think that the, this young girl pushes the teacher into that old school thinking of punish the behavior instead of working with reinforcement of like healthy behavior. The child just turned eight and she is definitely ADJ. She's got a great therapist. I help the mom on the other side of it. Right. So, and so she's got a good team working with a kid, but every time we're at school, it's the calls come in of the child has had an issue today. Well, and it's always the child had an issue and you go, well, what was the antecedent? And they never tell you what the antecedent is no. because they never know. It's just the child was bad essentially. And that, first of all, that's, that's not good for the kid. It doesn't help the child at all. It, it doesn't help her or him in the classroom. It doesn't help us resolve anything because at home, the behavioral strategies without medication are we reward healthy behavior and we ignore really unhealthy behavior unless it's violence. Um, and so, um, so if there's violence in school, for instance, which kids can become, they can throw things, they can get angry, agitated. It's usually not because there's some psychopathological, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer. It's because there's been an antecedent. And what we find is a lot of times it's the kids been bullied or the kids been ridiculed or condescended to. There's something yep. going on. Typically the child becomes anxious and agitated and then acts out and then gets in trouble. And then they're the bad kid. And so it's like the NHL, they always get the retaliation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> get exactly. The exactly. So, and, and, and so I think it's, there's so many things about that, but the myth about it being that um, it's just, and that's, that's the myth. That's the, uh, another myth is that kids with ADD are, are bad because they're not parented correctly. That's not true. And that for a long time, I would say was probably my number one um, issue that would come up would be, schools telling the parents essentially by implying that, you know, you're parenting poorly, you're parenting bad. It's your fault. What's ha what's happening at home? I still hear that. What's happening at home? This mm. is happening here. Um, no, because that, I mean, certainly there, there are cases, but by and large in, in all my years, it's it. And you can see that anecdotally and research wise that it's not bad parenting, but that's a poor myth. It's more about, yeah. it's not being developmentally held right in context of each of these environments. So at home, the issue isn't happening, but at school it is. So what's the antecedent at school yeah. that's happening? You know, well, the teacher doesn't like the fact that the kid is super smart. Like I have, so I have another person that's in my personal life that has very high, high ADD. And, and he gets, you know, scapegoated and pigeonholed yeah. all the time because 
he actually is super smart and really gifted and his ADD comes out in advocacy and he'll, he will say things. He's a little bit of a smart ass, but not disrespectful, but teachers don't like that. So they are punitive and they rip it as self-esteem. And, and so on the other side, like as a family member, I've been into the school already a couple of times this year with my other, with the, with the adults and to try to help because this is, you know, they're doing exactly the, 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 the myth they're going right to. He's a boy. He's this, he's that, all the things that are not true. And so if a teacher is suggesting, let alone demanding medication, the teacher is probably the antecedent because obviously there's a strained relationship between the child and the teacher and the modification behavior for the teacher attempting to modify the child isn't positive, isn't helpful. Well, yeah. So, so yes, I think the the global or the overarching umbrella antecedent would be the teacher because the teacher is not able to, or the teacher doesn't want to, or whatever it is, the yeah. teacher. But then there's usually another antecedent in there. Yeah. Oh no, I understand. They, but, yeah. So, but yes, the teacher, and it's not that it's their fault. It's just that they are doing. I always go back to when I hear about what's happening, and I like making like a historical note. It's because they are typically just going old school, old school, old right. school. You know, and when a parent is doing the positive reinforcement and not paying much attention to the negative behavior, oftentimes with old school people, that's looked upon as being permissive. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm I'm just making sure my phone's ringing. I am listening to you, but my phone's <laughs> ringing. I'm just making sure it's um, you know, not the vet. I understand. Um, say what you just said again. Um, when parents when parents uh deal with it the way you suggest, where they reinforce positive behavior and more or less ignore negative behavior for people with old school thinking that's seen as permissive right that's looked down upon it, yes and so and that's and I you think have that, to you have to have more discipline you have to herd them more you have well, to, well yeah you have to structure them you yeah. have to be right and that and that doesn't work um and on the other side of that we've gone through that era too where you've you've your kids might have come up in a little bit of that with the whole like, you know, you're going to get the kindergarten voice and you're going to talk like, let's use our big boy words and all. that doesn't help either. It's about and it or over talking them, yep. you know, and 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 yeah. how does that make you feel? No, no, because then <laughs> they learn to they learn to run you over. Yep. <laughs> so it's really about it. I mean, it's a perfect example of how to be in in the moment, present and at peace is being real and authentic with your child or with your person or, you know, because there's so many, and by the way, there's so many adults walking around with ADD that went undiagnosed and they, they've just compensated and treated themselves in different ways. Like I have a client now that's in his seventies and we've been working on his ADD that his ADD was actually a byproduct of the fact that he had really significant trauma growing up. Um, and, had ADD and was ridiculed heavily for it, which traumatized him even more on top of the trauma he was already getting. And then he became, um, you know, his only coping strategy was to either be a workaholic, an alcoholic, or really angry. Yeah. Right. Which is, which is a common, mm -hmm. um, not myth, common outlet for men who compensate without any help that throughout their childhood and all the way up through with trauma and ADD. Because all they're doing is finding conflict. They're right. They're yeah. finding a place to, to contain, contain, contain. Well, they're finding conflict. So they cope with alcohol and then yes. they respond with anger. Right. Because that's, right. that's the way they deal with all this conflict that they're dealing with <laughs> constantly. So him, me, probably you as well, 
this is the thing for us. We didn't have we didn't have ADD. No. When we so this is a whole new concept. So for me, for years, it was kind of like, well, is this a real thing or is this, you know, just the way we're pigeonholing kids who are a little bit all over the place? Because we well, all knew kids who were a little all over the place. Well, and that's the thing is that for the longest time, you know, back in the seventies and eighties, right? Yep. Um, the pigeonholing was happening a lot because it was the catch-all thing at the time for you know yep. for everything for every for every bad behavior for every wild behavior for every impulsive behavior like and all of a sudden it got labeled that instead of it just being like that's a kid being a kid and that's normal both yep. boys and girls right. um and and how then they got socialized into it but i think that um i think the d diagnostic nature of this has come back around in a healthier way where it's not overly i think there's much more care taken about this particular diagnosis now and understanding of it um because of how it just kind of came out gangbusters back in the day um i have a family member who has add and they were the they were actually the poster child they were legitimately the poster child for the cases and studies and books written on ADD. Yeah. And I think I've mentioned that before. Yeah. And so, um, and he truly is ADD and got tons of different help over the years. But I think, I think he's done the best when he's now been in his adult life in these, we're roughly around the same age. And I think he's done the best in terms of understanding it and trying to get a hold on. And he's not, and he's not perfect with it, but it's certainly, um, it's certainly a struggle. Um, this is the dad of the same kid that has the ADD in school. Yeah. My family member. Um, and, and I think that, I think that although teachers, for instance, go to school and learn about developmental things and they do learn about developmental theory and so on and so forth. I don't, I've had enough now time to be around enough teachers and their experience in their master's programs to know that they don't get really that much training on, what to expect when you have these types of things going on in the classroom. Mm -hmm. It's more teach to the mainstream, teach to the developmental things of like Eric Erickson, the theory of like lifespan development over psychosocial things or things like that. They don't really talk more than maybe a class or two or maybe a half a semester on, you know, um, special ed neurodevelopmental or learning disability yeah. types of things and unless they're that. special ed teachers and even yeah. then i've i've talked to special ed teachers that when i talk about like even this they don't know 90 percent of what i'm talking about and and the concept of it being a neurodevelopmental issue not a learning disability is they we will debate that and i will give them many you know, pieces of like evidence that this is really what it is. And that's is how we have to treat it. That's because public education's goal. And I right. was, was married to an educator, a SPED teacher, so, as a matter of fact. Oh, so you know. The, public education's goal, whether it's stated or not, is to homo homogenize. Right. So whenever they deal with these issues, they're only dealing it in a way to herd the kids back into the exactly into the middle. Exactly. They're not doing it to deal with that thing. They're doing, try to get them more mainstream. Right. And, and to, so, uh, and on the flip side, not to give teachers a bad rap, I mean, oh, no, when not... they have 15, 20, yeah. 30 kids, I mean, I get it. I do get it. But I think that such a better job could be done on understanding ADD because I think that that's a very predominant symptom presenting in classrooms these days. And I think that um, the, you know, besides boys having it, 
more than girls. Not true. I think that sugar, sugar makes it makes is, is the cause of it. That's not true. Sugar can exacerbate the symptoms, but it doesn't cause it. It's also not caused by bad parenting. Um, It's genetically linked. It doesn't have to be medicated. It can be behaviorally modified, especially early on is better to catch it. But if not, it can still be behaviorally modified exercise and good food and good sleep activate the frontal lobe to be healthy. So just right there is Mm -hmm. a great start. Um, And I think that um, good behavioral modification for, for kids in classrooms with people that really understand is really incredibly helpful. Hi, Abby. (laughs) It's the whole crew. The whole crew. The whole crew's here today. Um, Oh, she loves me. Thanks, Ab. (laughs) Look at that tan. She's clearly watching me. It's an Irish tan. Um, <laughs> so, so I think that, um, like you were just saying about kind of the the you know you had a, a your ex was in in special ed. I think that the special education really hasn't changed a lot no. over the years of how they teach their special educators to understand eighty day, right. and it's it's either it's either um, old school discipline do as I say, not as I do, structure, 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 and then medicate. Yep. And the way that we do it is not that. It's just, you know, and having a better understanding of it, I think teaching kids and adults how to understand what it really is so they feel like they have, a, it's always that internal sense of focus of control and not feeling like you're out of control. That's a huge plus. Um, and, and I think... Um, less emphasis on the medication. Well, those are the only two tools that educators have. Right. Because they can't do individual response as well as family members and obviously parents can. So that that's why they tend to go those two extremes because you can't sit down and spend extra time. Right. With all of your 30 sped students. And, right. You know, who are dealing with this. Right. You've got to deal with them. You've either got to structure them or you've got to medicate them. Well, and and I and I think that that's I mean certainly for people that are not familiar with it most school systems especially public, so private schools don't have any special ed right so kids that go you know it always amazes me because all you know there's plenty of kids in private schools that have ADD and then they are labeled as bad kids yep. and they don't provide these services but in in actual um, public education. Um, in the special ed departments, I think that it should be more mainstreamed in terms of like all teachers should have this because all teachers now are supposed to have like the IEP in front of them. They're supposed to know what all the kids needs are. Even as a college professor that I am, I get my disability services from my college sends me all of the kids in my class, kids, you know, mm-hmm. adults, um, the, who's got the disabilities. I read through them. I read through their accommodations. I make sure I'm up to date. Now I have 25 people in my class. They're all in the range from like 19 years old. And I have a college, I have an upper level college class, so they can go up to like 60 years old. I get all of their materials and I read to make sure that I know where the accommodations, that's what you do. Yeah. And, but 25 year olds don't have the pressure, the peer pressure of right conforming to a certain skill set. Right. Exactly. Kid, yeah. Kids have all kinds of pressure. If they're struggling with something in <laughs> school, they're going to, you know, that's going to be tough peer pressure for them. Right. Um, Which is why the homogenization, that's why school systems are trying to homogenate as much as possible. Right. And, and, and I think, and I think that that's where, ki- I think that's where people 
early on get lost in the shuffle and get bypassed and missed. And the treatment, it's just easier to medicate. This is the thought. Easier to medicate you than to do anything else. And that's not helpful. No. Recess is helpful. Mind breaks are helpful. Um, you know, accommodations for um, using now computers, way more helpful. Um, you know, fidget toys are helpful, you know, and and people just sometimes don't understand that. Uh, medication. So there's, let me just because I have to touch on medication, there's stimulants and non-stimulants. And people often go right to Ritalin or methylphenidate or Vyvanse or Concerta or things like that or Adderall. Um, and what does that do? Well, because they're stimulants. So what happens, you know, people, people that don't really understand how ADD works is because they're like, well, the person's already up, yep. up here. Right. Well, that's when you give a stimulant to an ADD person, a true ADD person, then what it does is it balances it out and it gives, it's, it equalizes it. So it brings the brain into focus essentially. Um, and you don't, but you don't have to use a stimulant to do that. You can use other things. There's non-stimulant medications for that. And also exercise. Exercise does the same yeah. thing. Um, and I mean, they're not a one-to-one, but they're certainly, you know, nothing can be like Adderall, right? You know, because that's not quite the same, but there's other ways of dealing with that. And, and you also have to, people have to know that ADD is not just one catch-all thing because it used to be just one catch-all thing, but there's hyperactive type. That's why we just call it ADD now because it used to be ADHD and then it just, everybody yeah. fell into it, which is the hyperactivity, but it's the hyperactive type. Then there's the um, impulsive type. And then there's the combined type, which is the A, D, D, H, and I, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to medicate with a stimulant someone who has the, the um, inattentiveness, the one that's the I, the inattentiveness. And, you know, they, they may be inattentive, but they might not be impulsive. Right. You know, that, so you can do other things. Again, exercise, good food, good sleep. Good sleep is amazing for people with with ADD because it rests the brain. It allows it to get back into sync. So you have your hyperactive type, your inattentive type, and then you have your combined type. And it's you never know what you're going to get in terms of what people are. But the hyperactive type seems to really push our school systems because it's harder to control. Yeah. And and it seems to push people at home more too because you know families because it's um, it usually comes with impulsivity and agitation, all kinds of other stuff. So um, I think often when we're talking about medication, the problem with medication is it atrophies the body's ability to self-regulate. Right. It, especially it, does in this happen kids. in this case too, especially when you're talking younger kids, because again, there's so much brain development left to be done for a four-year-old or a five-year-old or a six-year-old. Are you crimping it, the brain's yes. ability to self-regulate? So, so such a great thing and there's so much such a great topic because there's so much stuff out there on this is that developmentally anything that you're putting in the body you know sugar caffeine even little kids it always makes me wonder what's going on at home that's a parenting thing where you're giving like a seven-year-old caffeine yeah. you know but sugar um lots of like you know juices things like that they're all changing now imagine putting in a in a, in a medication that's a high sure. high dosing medication that's never been tested on kids which they haven't been hmm. many of them and and then developmentally on the brain it does change the neurological track so our brains develop essentially up until roughly around 23 years old if you start adding in medications that are brain developmentally neurodevelopmentally changers 
which those are stimulants do, then you're going to start having changes. You're going to have maybe premature hormone changes. You're going to have um, growth stunting. You're going to have excessiveness in terms of like hormonals. It, it moves the endocrine system. All those medications touch your endocrine system. It, you know, your pituitary gland, your adrenal gland, your hypothalamus, your hippocampus, your amygdala, all the things that yeah. regulate your emotional center. So dysregulating. So, so it's, it's messing with that whole development. It, it, the curve. whole, right. Yeah. It's the whole system that gets like completely changed around. And, and so I think people should be really cautious of that and wait until they're much older to do, or unless it's a last ditch effort in terms of medication. And then I always tell parents, and I do have, I do have plenty of kids that are on medication, but we monitor it. And then we take, you know, we take holidays, we take medication holidays, the summer, because when kids are really active over the summer, for instance, I have a kid that yeah. doesn't take any medication over the summer because he's so busy and he just, and he's active, 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 but in school, he can't have the activity going on all day and he has to sit. So he has a little yeah. bit of medication. And then we are very careful, like on the weekends, he doesn't take it unless he ha has to do it for like a test or studying. So we tweak it to make sure that that's what he's doing because it's a lot on the body and on the brain. You've got kids, subteen kids, medications, pharmacological situations to mental health issues. Right. Fight like a badger. Yeah. It's, it's got to be a last resort. It's got to be a desperate last resort. Exactly. Yeah. And and people and the other thing is just I'd say teens too, but I don't know how you feel about that. No, I, and I think teens yeah. and and here's the thing is there's such a surge and I uh, and it, it is a surge of caffeine right now geared towards like the middle school and teenage population, like Red Bulls, Red Bull. But yeah. now there's like all these other, I, I could list 50 yeah. of them that I see on the racks, you know, of like, and they all have caffeine in them. They have other things too, cause they make it, try to make it healthy by putting all these other things in it, but it's not, but the caffeine, what happens with caffeine and why people who have ADD like caffeine is cause it's a stimulant and it helps do what medications do. So that's why people will drink coffee all day or they'll drink Red Bulls all day. I mean, I have a client that comes in with those the big tall Red Bulls and she'll have four or five of those a day. Wow. Yeah. And the smell of Red Bull makes me sick. <laughs> oh God. But what it does is the same kind of thing because it's a stimulant and it makes the brain go. So now you see a lot of teenagers, you know, 13, 14, 15, they, they love Starbucks. They love Dunkin' Donuts, mostly Starbucks, you know, or they love their Celsius and they love their, you know, all these new monster drinks and all these other things that have these extra bumps. Panera of, also has these caffeine drinks now, char yep. charged drinks. Yep. And, and pre-workout. So if you're working out in the gym and you're a powder lover and you do your little protein shakes and all that stuff, pre-workout, that's pre-workout is by nature caffeine. And that's what it's for. I mean, it's to give you that extra energy bump and help you build muscle and all this. And it comes with all the, the bells and whistles that they talk about, but that's the caffeine bump. And so it's stimulating to give your brain like this balance. But then if you're not ADD, it doesn't work quite in the same way. So you get crashes, you get tired, you get other stuff. So that's a whole nother show, but it's just important to understand that there's all these like things out there that are just myth myths about like, you know, ADD. And I yeah. just thought I would talk about them today. And I think I ran through my whole list in my head. <laughs> it's That's such a fascinating subject because I had to come around on it because like I said, it's like I had no ADD kids when I was growing up. So this is going to be just a 
diagnostic thing that leads to pharmaceuticals. We've seen this. Too late. Yeah. Are you there? Yeah. Too late. We've already we've we, the ship has sailed and come back into port several times and gotten <laughs> new new sails and had more. So we've got a plethora of of drugs on the market for this. So uh, what are the correct response for parents when their child has issues focusing? So the correct response is if you want to do it all in the house and you don't want to get a therapist, I'm always in favor of getting kids involved in a behavioral modification program. And there's tons of social skills groups out there in, in this country, all over the place that directly you can do like these weekend camps and you can do summer camps on it. But in a day-to-day -day thing is address healthy behaviors in a healthy way, ignore unhealthy things unless they're violent, reward often in a, a authoritative way, which is require a lot from the kid and praise them for doing well for a good effort and, and, and give them appropriate, not punishment, but consequences that come with behaviors that make the path unhealthy. Um, a lot of kids will be like, that's punishment. It's like, well, you made a choice own, own the choice Love that. Yeah. That, that leads to the consequence. If you choose to not go to school, there's a consequence. Then you're not going to dance later. You're not going to the party this afternoon or you're, like there's a consequence for choices. So that they're, you're not giving them punishment and the brain is becoming traumatized because it's feeling suffering. Mm -hmm. It's more that choice is an A to B to C. Choice equals consequence equals learning. The brain track starts to learn that. Yeah. But you have to start that early. As you always say, like you can't fix, fix a, a, a four-year-old problem at 16 yeah. or a six-year-old problem at 16. I think a lot of time with consequences, it's not necessarily creating the consequences. It's allowing them right. to an extent, picking and choosing, of course. You don't want right. to running into a bridge apartment. Right. But like with my kids, sometimes when they wanted to stay up late, it's like, well, you're going to school in the morning. Right. It's up to you. Right. You stay up, but you're going to school in the morning. Right. And after a couple of late nights and early mornings, they're going, oh, I got to get some sleep. Right. You know, it's just like, I'm not punishing you. This is a consequence of staying up late. You're not ready to go in the morning. But right. You got to. And because I a lot of parents would say, okay, well, they tired. They stayed up late, stay home. It's like, no. Right. But the problem with that is that gets into the pattern of you lose, you lose your ability to have empowerment to teach your child or your young adolescent to have responsibility. If you choose to stay up late, if you choose to do these things and yeah. then you choose the next day not to do this other thing because you're tired or because you're becoming unmotivated, you come become, I hate the word, but you become lazy, complicit and comply and complacent in, in the pattern. And then the parents usually lose control. And I'm not talking about control. Like, you know, I'm just talking about they lose control of the situation because now it's so out of control. Then they just throw their hands up because they don't want the fight. Because now the, the the child or the adolescent now knows how to just be like I'm in I'm in charge now. Well, that's and, the lessening of the gap between parents and children. Right. Parents want to be friends. Yeah. They don't want to be parents. Mm -hmm. You say they don't want to go with the fight. Yeah, I'm the father. I'm going right. with the fight. Yeah. You know exactly. It's like, exactly. but it's not a fight. It's just, and you try not to do it. I remember uh, talking to a parent and they were having a problem with a kid, and it was like, well, what if he told you he didn't want to brush his teeth? You wouldn't give any emotional energy to it. You'd say, what are you nuts? Go brush your teeth. And that, and that there wouldn't be a negotiation. There wouldn't right. be an emotion in that. It's right. just like matter of fact. Right. You, know, you can stay up if you want, but you're going to school in the morning. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think and I think obviously in rare occasions that's why well because you bring that up in you know they say that the whole country should have um, Super Bowl Monday off. <laughs> no. No. Yeah. I 
I personally do not believe that everyone should have Super Bowl Monday off. I, as as a sports fan and as a sports psych person and as a doctor, I don't believe, like, you make a choice to stay out. I made a choice to come home and get stuck. I didn't choose to get stuck yesterday, but I still showed up. Like, you just have I to. I agree make- with you, but if the NFL wants to move it a week to president's, the president's well, I, birthday well, Monday, yeah, that works that's, for And me. that's yeah. totally different. Yeah. That's, and that's adjustment to that. But I think that, you know, I mean, people take the day off anyways. Why not? Why, why make it a holiday? Yeah. A national holiday. I'm sorry. It's just justifying. I mean that behavior that everybody does anyway. And so, and so, I'm see. I have a favoritism, and and this is going way way off topic. I have a favoritism towards veterans, right, and people who work in the military. Um, if we're gonna do that for, you know, Super Bowls, Super Bowls, what besides Veterans Day, which oh, is a day off, Day's right? Day, yeah. It's not quite the same thing. <laughs> Um, you know, and so in, in, in that, in that, this is probably an, uh, another show because we haven't had a chance because I can't remember what happened, but when Damar Hamlin got hurt, I was mm. going to talk about that and whatever, but just as an aside, Damar Hamlin gets hurt and the whole world knows about this and the whole world stops. Right. And God, God love me. I mean, yes. And you know, I understand, but in that same exact week, there were two stories that I was going to talk about that I never even talked about. And I'll talk about it maybe next week in our show because we have to wrap up. But there are two stories of one veteran or one active duty military person who actually was out swimming with his kids and the, the, the ch- one of his sons started to drown and he went to save him and he ended up almost drowning himself and ended up in the hospital almost dead and on like life support for the better part of I think a month now I can't remember the whole story because it was fresh in my mind during the exact same time. And he was on the back page essentially of the news on that one and got no extra support or heroism or, you know, any, but we heard all about Damar and God loved Damar, but you know, it's like the imbalance of like he, yeah. Ah. And even more basic, there were probably a handful of veterans that day that may have lost their lives have been critically injured. Right. Exactly. We don't hear about, Mm -hmm. you know, Right. And I mean, I do know that like they just, you know, for the NFL, they do they do talk about Tillman, you know, because he was very famous. But at the end of the day, that's not. Yeah, but that's that's one anomaly on the board to, to talk about it and doesn't really, you know, and I know I, I will say because I'll plug my my New England Patriots. The Kraft Foundation recognizes military all the time throughout the year on the field, off the field all the time, the like just. They, hands, hands they do down, a month. The NFL do. does a month for veterans, but that's largely paid. That's promotional, and you know, there's a what lot. Is? There's a lot going on there. November is oh. um, referencing veterans in the NFL yes. all the time, but that's largely a paid promotion. And there's all kinds of stuff going on there. That's not not to di- not to diminish it, but it's not right. totally altruistic. Well, that's that's why I was saying, like for the Kraft Foundation, they do it year round. Yeah, it's all the time, and all the <clears throat> all the players in the NFL. I mean, in the um, Patriots. They all have platforms and sometimes they even have two because they additionally have a veterans platform as a, as a general rule. And they're always honoring veterans and active duty all the time. Whereas I don't see that in other places. I remember it just brings me to a story when my son was young and it was December 7th and I'm getting him ready for school and I'm explaining Pearl Harbor to him. And I'm telling him this is because you will not hear about this today. Right. And you should. Right. So I'm telling him I go to school and I go to pick him up and out front is, uh, young girls and young boys walking around with signs stop idling your car and they've got polar bears with crosses over their eyes because it's december 7th have a veteran in 
talk about World War II because, by the way, all modern history started with World War II. You need to understand World War II right. to understand where we are right now. Right. But well, it's, like, it, it's not even taught. And by the way, when it's taught, talked about at all in schools is we're bad. Right. You know? Well, interesting. And before we end again, oh, so many show topics, but yeah. um, the whole the whole psychological movement of group therapy and understanding of group and family work comes out of World War One and two. Like, I'll talk to you because I, I teach this all the time. It reformed my, society. It's, it's all it, it reformed all, our existence right. as humans in mm -hmm. World War Two, and we don't and then and then the Viet. I, I always skip over Korea, but Korea, but Vietnam. So it was World War Two and Vietnam yeah. shaped our our understanding of psychology huge in this in in the world. Yep. Biggest contribute contributing theorists and stuff came out of what we gained knowledge from from all of that. So, yeah. wow, we moved from my <laughs> adversity today and my distress yeah. tolerance and my, 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 and then, you know, ADD. And now here we had a squirrel <laughs> and we went off on yeah. the NFL. But, but and... it, it ticks you off like it ticks me off. So I know. It's, it's kind of a subject that we don't pay enough attention to veterans in general. Well, uh, now, Lou, this Hopefully, was... Mush is doing well. Thank you. I was just going to say, well, this lifted my spirits, but now I have to, I have like 15 messages on my phone. None of them look like they're from the vet, though, thank God. <laughs> Hopefully that that works out well. I know. Thank you. Um, by the way, just so everyone knows, I am I still have some tickets left for my raffle for the New England Patriots for running the Boston Marathon. That's in less than fifty days, um, and I'm just shy of ten thousand dollars. I'm nice. shooting for fifteen thousand. Um, please make a hundred dollar donation today. Anybody out there, and you'll be entered into my raffle because I only have I think twenty raffles left or or so um to do that drawing and then but please if you would like to help me out or send money for mush because i'm gonna end up owning a wing and i need help <laughs> because you know he's oh he's getting a feeding tube today i forgot to tell you oh that. god and well they do have pet gofundmes they, they what they have pet gofundmes i know they do but yeah. i feel weird doing that but i really you know anyone want to so help? tough on everybody though the bills are enormous and I just can't. When yeah. I look at the bill, I just gag. <laughs> Especially because I see some wine items that is a whole other story. I'm like, what? What is that? I know. Like, you... I do I get that when I go to the hospital? <laughs> anyway, that's another story. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yes, Mush is the man, John. Mush is Mush is John's man, actually. Yep. John and Mush are the. Uh, well, again, the, uh... hopefully, works out well. I know. Thank you very much. So I'll keep you updated, but all right, everybody, you guys, thanks for listening. Sorry. I was late today, but you know, this is what happens. We make adjustments and I will see you all next week. Have a great week. Yeah.